What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 15 of the High Bar Podcast. Plane just flew overhead. I don't know if you guys could hear that. I hope not. My microphone's not telling me it picked it up, so we should be okay. What you are about to pick up is this. Drinking some nice coffee here. It's a beautiful, sunny day here in Miami. The day is Wednesday, January 18th. And I am feeling beyond grateful moving into this new year because of all of the ventures that we have here at Nori Powerlifting, as well as some of the ventures I am undertaking outside of the team. So I wanted to give a quick little recap since it's been a while since we've been on here. You guys got to last hear from Jaren about the Ukiyo story, which by the way, as a quick detour, I am going to be sponsoring um, the Ukiyo Grand Prix at the end of April, hopefully being able to MC the meet, but I will be in Hawaii at the end of April, and it's my first time in Hawaii. I am incredibly excited, mostly because I didn't get the opportunity to go to Ukiyo's grand opening, but now I'll be able to attend their first meet at the new location, which is going to be bigger. It's going to be better. I'm so proud of Jaren. Jaren, if you're listening to this, what you have built in Hawaii and amongst your team is inspirational. And that's a lot of what today's episode is going to be about. We'll get to it in a little bit, but it's going to be about how you navigate the space that you're in and climb to the rank that you desire to. Um, to give you guys a quick little sneak peek, not only am I going to be in Hawaii at the end of April, but I'm going to stay through the first week of May because Ukiyo is going to host us for a seminar. We're going to be doing an educational and hands-on seminar at Ukiyo that first weekend of May, and we're going to have the Nori Powerlifting team there. Any of you, of you Hawaii guys listening, any of you people coming maybe from California who can afford to extend your trip, any of you who are extending the trip already because it's a vacation time for you, this is going to be an awesome opportunity for you to learn from myself, Aiden Rader, Michael Jinn, and fingers crossed we get Eric over here. I know it's a long trip from Sweden. Shout out, Eric. Um, honestly, one of the brightest individuals I've met in the sport, and I truly, truly mean that. Um, computer scientist, the data tracking wizard, as I'll call him, of the team. And um, hopefully we can get him over there to to uh, contribute to the seminar. But we'll see. Fingers crossed. We're, we're waiting to see if that availability comes because just like Aiden, he is still in school during that time. Um, also, one really exciting thing we have coming for you guys, just because this is a Nori branded podcast, we are going to be hosting a webinar sometime in the middle of February. Um, this is going to be limited sign up and then potentially the option to um, purchase um, or subscribe to our ongoing webinars and Q&As on the Nori website. This will be an awesome opportunity for people to actually one-on-one -on -one ask us questions. That's usually a big learning experience for not just the people attending, but for the coaches themselves. When you get the opportunity to defend points and be asked questions you might not have been asked at some point in the past. So we're really looking forward to that. The final plug I'll give you guys for this episode before we get into the topic is Powerlifting Now. So Powerlifting Now has not been discussed on this podcast formally. 
because we've been off for a bit. But Powerlifting Now is a venture that was birthed out of a conversation between myself and Steve DeNovi because we had both given seminars in the September timeframe. And we noticed that the educational stuff in person doesn't tend to do as well as it may have in years prior. And the main reason for that is the way people consume content has changed so drastically, meaning that most people want to consume media on their own time. And they know that there's no longer this scarcity of information where they don't need to feel a sense of urgency to fly wherever in the country that coaches are hosting things because they know they'll probably be exposed to that information via Q&A, via YouTube video, via some sort of post. So people like to just sit back and learn at their own pace, whether that's binging material, whether that's spacing it out more, um, you know, uh, moderately. And for Steve and I, we were trying to figure out how we can disseminate more information to the masses. And two people that we respect very highly hold in regard as some of the best coaches in the game, um, Marcellus Williams and Matt Cronin, we wanted to partner up with them. And the reason for this diverse partnership of four completely different coaches is simply that people want to hear from all these different schools of thought and perspectives about the same topics. And basically, Powerlifting Now is going to be the Powerlifters Library. So every month, it is a subscription service. Every month, you are going to be given four long-form videos, one from each of us coaches, and a roundtable that caps off everything where we discuss topics that we either found to be pertinent to our own coaching lives or things that have been asked of us in the Discord or something on on. Instagram or YouTube to give you more context. When I say Discord, big incentive for joining the subscription service is that you are going to have access to a Discord that's moderated by Matt Cronin and each of us coaches will be in there when our videos come out and give you guys the opportunity to ask questions about the video as well as submit the future questions and have priority for talking points for those roundtables. Um, like I said, this is going to be a monthly service. It starts at $12.99 a month, but it, by the time that this episode gets released, you will be still in the early access time window where you can get $9.99 per month for the first three months. This is going to be the best powerlifting educational platform on the internet. This has never been done before, and we are confident we will make it the hub for disseminating powerlifting information. The problem statement that we came up with was essentially, hey, if you were a coach, because coaches like us get submitted this question all the time, like where do I go to learn about X, Y, and Z? And while we can refer people to a lot of fundamental books out there, Muscle and Strength Pyramid, Principles of Strength Training, some of the Russian and Bulgarian texts even, while we can refer you to those and we do still believe in grasping the fundamentals, a lot of the knowledge that we implement in a practical sense is held within our heads and, and only really discussed at length within the inner circle of coaches. So we wanted to give you guys an opportunity to be exposed to that information. And the goal is over time, this is going to be databased and cataloged such that you'll be able to search and filter by coach as well as by topic. So we have different themes that we'll be discussing. There'll be programming, case studies, technique, meet day, nutrition, all that sort of stuff is going to be discussed on this platform. And once it's populated enough, you'll be able to vet 
by category and be able to learn everything you want about a specific topic. And in the future, we will get Nori coaches contributing to the platform. We will get other coaches that our team uh, holds in high regard to contribute to the platform. And it's ultimately just going to be this center that incentivizes other high-level coaches to contribute informative content and get paid for their time because YouTube, let's be honest, unless you have millions of subscribers, is probably not really a, a valid source of income for you. Um, but yeah, that's the the final plug of the episode. We are so, so excited for powerlifting now. We are so excited for the educational ventures that we are taking here at Nori Powerlifting. But let's get into the topic today, which is, you know, how do you and this and this goes for outside of coaching, you know, how do you make it, so to speak, right? I get asked this question all the time, like, how did I navigate my way to become a high level power lifter while I was in school? How did I, you know, navigate my way to the top of academics? How did I navigate my way to being the top of, of the coaching field? Like, how is this stable for me? How do I feel confident in what I do? And in all honesty, the biggest advantage anybody can have for um, being able to get to this point is immersing yourself in an arena of people who already do those things better than you. Um, and this is something that I learned really, really early on in multiple contexts. So to give you guys a background, you know, I played baseball for 14 years and I played baseball at a very high level. Um, I played, well, sorry, I didn't play. I went to a private school as a kid that had a very accelerated path for its students. And I think these two experiences, and obviously I'm speaking from a place of, of being very blessed and very privileged to have gone through this. Um, these are two major components of my upbringing that reinforced this sense of urgency to immerse myself in the most challenging of environments to eventually get to the point of being at the level I want to be at. Um, and I'll start with school. So, you know, I remember going through the public school setting as a child and just being very um, understimulated and frustrated. Um, and, you know, I know that the the public education system can discourage a lot of kids who maybe are not academically inclined because the way that you are um, encouraged to think and the way that the reward system works, it's not... Um, you know, conducive to people actually, you know, uh, exploring what it is that they're they're interested in, or being able to learn in a in a positive reinforcing way. It's 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 very punishing almost. Um, so for a lot of these kids, it can it can fail them. But at the same time, I think that it does fail a lot of the kids who are eager to learn and are intelligent and do want to be better. Um, because I remember like coming home and being absolutely miserable from every day at school because there was nothing that was challenging me. Um, there was nothing that the teachers were doing. The The curriculum was not giving me any real inspiration is, is how I would word it, right? Like it just felt like I was there to be punished essentially. You know, there wasn't, um, you know, I'll give, I'll give you guys a perfect example. Like I remember having to um, take the the math exams and the, and the spelling tests that everyone was subjected to. And of course, as public school, like you can't expect people to be on different um, curricula while being in the same class as a second or a third grader. But regardless, 
I remember getting through those like timed, you know, multiplication exams or those spelling tests. And it's like, I finished them really quickly. And at first you're rewarded for it. And it's like, okay, you know, you're doing a great job. Um, you know, really proud of you. You get your gold star. You got a hundred, blah, blah, blah. But eventually it gets to a point where you do that enough. It's like, okay, well, you know that you're good at this thing, but where is the supplemental work to challenge you to get to the next level? And it wasn't really there. There was nothing there for me. And it got to a point, I remember my mom always tells me the story of how I used to just bubble in patterns on the uh, multiple choice exams because I was just so bored. It got to a point where I was like, okay, like I know how to do this shit. I don't want to do it anymore. Like give me something else. Um, and it got to a point where my parents had spoken to people at the school and the solution was like once a week, I would literally have my desk moved out into the hallway and I would just take like a separate exam. And while this sort of solved the, solved the problem, it was obviously very isolating. It wasn't very inspirational. There was nothing that made it feel like it was an experience worth having because I just remember, okay, class, it's time to take your spelling test. And it's like, all right, Sean, like, you know, you give them a little wag of the finger, come with me and you put your desk outside in a quiet hallway and you're just up against the corner of the wall facing that, you know, that patterned white brick wall just doing the spelling test and then you have to sit with your head down for the next 20 minutes until the allotted test uh, test taking time is up. And that was my public school experience. Like it was just very unrewarding for what work level of work capability I had. Um, and I was luckily lucky enough that my parents had the finances to be able to send me to a private school um, where that did a complete 180 because I was surrounded by kids who eventually would go on to attend Harvard and Yale and Princeton and MIT and Stanford. And even at that age, you feel a healthy sense of competition with your classmates, which is something I never felt, never, never, never felt in public school. Like I was a smart kid in public school and I very much like wanted to do well, but there was never that competition. There was never a, a tiering or hierarchy of intelligence that felt um, actionable. Like you couldn't, you couldn't do anything with it. Whereas when I got to my private school, the way that they did things is that you could essentially take three different levels of any given class in a, in a grade. Meaning that if you're in fourth grade, you could be taking you know, a level one math class that was one year ahead of standard fourth graders. You could be taking two levels above or you could be taking three levels above. And that was all based on performance. So you were given the opportunity to showcase that you were capable of taking whatever class. And then when you demonstrated that you could, you would then move on into the next year in a classroom full of people that were going to push you, right? That they were going to say like, you know, not that anybody had any sort of, you know, animosity toward each other, but it's like, you're now surrounded by the big boys where it literally felt like, oh, like you're in, you're in geometry as a fifth grader. Like, oh, I'm only in, in algebra. You know what I mean? So it's like, you knew who was doing what. And it was, I think, inspiring to see people either at your level or above your level. And especially since the classroom setting was much more intimate when I was in that private school, because the classroom sizes were just smaller, because public schools are obviously bigger, um, you got to know everybody really well. You got to know how they thought. There was a lot of like 
outward uh, and and uh, outward thinking and vocalizing of how you approached problems in this private school that I went to. So you got to see how other people thought. And even if you're not consciously like thinking of this as a kid, I know that unconsciously these thoughts were happening where you're, you're wanting to be able to grasp something at a certain level. And you have a classmate who maybe gets the question right that you couldn't think of. And you're like, Oh, like that's how he, that's how he approached it. That makes sense. Or you'd have collaborative work time where you would solve a problem with somebody and you get to actually, you know, work through, work through a, 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 you know, a math problem with somebody and you're like, oh, okay, like now I'm taking the tools that you have and applying them um, in a way that I previously wouldn't have understood how to do, right? And like that is so important from an early age um, to have an environment that in a healthy way fosters that level of competition and gives you something to aspire to. Like you need people who feel like they are on your level fundamentally but are are better in some specialized way, right? Like if you're so separated from someone hierarchically where it just feels like, okay, like you are so out of reach. Like if you have, you know, a billionaire on TV talking to a bunch of like working class people, it's like, there's such a disconnect there where it's like, okay, this is not at all inspiring to me because you don't understand what it is that I'm going through and what my problems are. But in like a classroom setting, it's like, you're all the same age, you're all peers, you're all subjected to the same stuff. But at the same time, you have, this clear level up that someone might have on you in a very specialized way. And if that specialty appeals to you in a strong way, you're going to want to be challenged by that person. You're going to want to learn. You're going to want to get to that level. Um, And I'm just so grateful to have experienced that in an academic setting because in academics, regardless of what grades and tests mean, it teaches you how to think, right? And like, if you can challenge yourself on how you think all the time, that's an incredibly valuable skill and something that I still, you know, implement as a coach. And eventually once I make it past my next part of development and get to the whole coaching thing, you'll kind of understand what I'm, what I'm getting at here. Um, but on the athletic side, it was the same thing, right? Where like in a, in an academic setting or rather in like a school setting, you know, your sports teams don't really offer this same level of, of um, uh, competitiveness, not to say that that school sports don't provide that because like especially when you get to high school, they absolutely do. But early on, you know, if you're in like middle school, for example, you know, you play for like a, a couple months season and then and then it's over. Right. You never see those kids ever again. Um, but when I played club baseball, for example, these were kids that I developed with my entire life. Right. Like I got to grow up with them. I started playing baseball with them at nine, 10 years old. And I played all the way up until being 17, 18 years old with almost, you know, more or less the same group of people. And it was a day in and day out challenge with all of them. Right. Because we would train in the fall and winter to get better at our sport. We would train in the fall and winter to get faster and stronger. So it's like you're going through the seasons of life with people that either, you know, challenge you or you're trying to push, right? So it's like you could be the one who's challenging someone. You could be the one who's being challenged by someone else. But at any rate, you are in a position where year round you are being exposed to your strengths your weaknesses, and then, you know, you wouldn't know what your strengths or weaknesses are unless they were being, you know, uh, compared to or or scaled against someone else's, right? And then like in sports, it's like a very 
Um, like you get harsh reminders in sports because, you know, if you get beaten a race or you get struck out or whatever, it's just like, it's a very, it, 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 it hurts. You know what I mean? When you mess up. So when you get to see someone who maybe messes up less than you or beats you, um, it's, it's immediately enticing to say like, fuck, I don't ever want to feel that again. I need to be better at this. Like that has to happen. And this is, you know, there's always the argument that we can make in every podcast. We could always revert back to sports and why I think sports are, you know, so valuable for kids to go through, you know, it teaches teamwork, it teaches acceptance of failure, all that sort of stuff. But for today's podcast topic, it really is just hammering away how important it is to be surrounded by people of all different levels working toward the same goal that you have um in the weight room setting so fast forward you know a few years in the weight room setting this was something that i sought out and it wasn't something that i consciously was thinking like okay i need to seek this out because this will help me blah 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 it's just like it was ingrained at this point where i had wanted to be strong right like i i always wanted to have muscle and, and be jacked, but there was always just this allure to squatting and deadlifting really heavy weight. And there were these two brothers that went to my high school. One had already graduated by the time I had started lifting. The other was a senior in high school. It's questionable whether or not they were using some sort of anabolics at that time. I won't speculate um, or I won't, I won't accuse, but it, it definitely was, was suspect or at least questionable. Um, but two brothers that I would work out with and, um, it, it almost felt like I needed like a, uh, permission to even get to the point of, of training with them. Because I remember in my high school, like everybody kind of knew who was like into lifting, who was the strongest, who would do this, who would do that. Um, because you know, you had wrestling and football and there was after school weight room. So there was like this already established hierarchy once you decided to join the gym and with where everybody grew up and everyone being centralized in the same areas, you know, there were just a, a very small subset of gyms that you could go to. It's like there was a retro fitness um, that people would go to. There was a, um, a New York sports club that people would go to. Eventually, some people drifted off into Gold's Gym, which eventually became that place profit that I train at a lot of the time. But it's like you you got the opportunity to like work out with everyone or at least see everybody that you went to high school with work out. And once it got to a point where like my lifts were deemed respectable enough, I felt like I could work out with these two brothers and not get completely just blown away. Like I could keep up to some degree, right? And they were they were strong as hell, so I definitely wasn't, you know, lifting the same weights as they were, but I could I could work out with them and not be a, an impedance, I guess is how I would say it. And I just remember being awe inspired, like genuinely taken aback at how strong and how focused these guys were. And I'll never forget my first workout with the younger of the brother who's a senior in high school. There was a focus that I saw in him and just like this pace where he was just go, 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 go. Like you need to do this exercise. You need to do it right. Sure. If I went back and dissected our workout, of course, it was just like some bro science shit, but it doesn't matter, right? Like the fact that someone was willing to work that hard so early on in life and be committed to it, it rubbed off on me. And I'd always been a hardworking person, but there was this extra switch that he could turn on in the gym setting where I had never felt like I was moving fast paced like this 
in a workout. And when I would go on to finally work out with both of the brothers, it was, it was almost like it was genetic. Like the both of them just had the same tone, the same demeanor, the same pace in the gym. And I have no doubt that that was pivotal in getting me to take lifting and powerlifting more seriously and see it as like a viable thing to pursue outside of just helping my baseball career. Um, it was a an example to look toward. And I think everybody needs examples to look toward. And the thing is, is that like I alluded to before, like the example I gave before rather about like the billionaire speaking to working class Americans, it's like, if you're just observing from afar, it's going to be hard for any example to be relatable to you. Like you have to insert yourself into a situation where on a personal level, you get to interact with the people who are inspiring to you. Um, and that requires like putting yourself out there, right? Like you need to actually immerse yourself in that environment that you eventually want to be leading one day. And that's what I did. That's what I did as a, as a young kid, you know? And, you know, if we fast forward to my career as a powerlifting coach, I very much felt like the the odd man out or like the imposter because I was a young kid coaching, you know, I got lucky to coach some really, really gifted lifters at a young age, coaching at Nationals, the Arnold, Worlds. And I was surrounded by, at the time, the best coaches in powerlifting. I remember seeing the polos with the team logos, the clipboards, and I'm just there in my like, you know, uh, like Teespring made, you know, Nori shirt that just looked like absolute garbage and like a pair of basketball shorts. I have the attempts that I have a lifter taken, like written in my notes section on my iPhone. It's like, okay, I don't, I don't belong here. You know what I mean? That's, that's what it felt like. But at the same time, you're just like, I know that I can do this and I want to soak up everything I can from these coaches that I look up to. And the thing that, you know, cause I've, I've done mentorships now with coaches, um, who are asking what they can do to, you know, elevate their, uh, coaching game and get to a level of being able to coach at the level, you know, I keep saying the word level, but get to a point where you can coach like myself or Steve or Marcellus or Aiden or Michael or Jaron. Right. And honestly, one of the biggest piece of advice that I actually gave to one of my mentees a couple of weeks back was, dude, your results speak for yourself, for themselves with regards to your client results um, on Instagram. So posting all of that stuff is, is awesome. But I think the biggest thing that you can do is just show up to meets, right? Like one of the things that I think solidified my place amongst the inner circle, so to speak, of the high level coaches and being able to form these relationships with them is that I was a familiar face. I was always in the warm-up room at Nationals, always in the warm-up room at the Arnold, always in the warm-up room at Worlds. And even if they were sessions where I didn't have a lifter competing, I wanted to be there. Now, USAPL, you know, they'll they'll get on you if you're in the warm-up room without your little wristband and stuff. But I did what I could to weasel my way in there. And it was so invaluable um, because you form these relationships and you talk shop in real time about the directly applicable things to powerlifting coaching or to meet day handling with these guys. And, you know, I, you know, there, there are some coaches that I can think of that I really developed meaningful relationships with, or at the very least was just comfortable and friendly enough with them to talk and, and be able to ask questions freely 
as the years went on. You know, Hanny Jazzarelli of of TSA was a coach back then that I formed a really good relationship with. And he was the guy who kind of pushed me in the direction of taking coaching full time because I was a mechanical engineer in undergrad and he had been a mechanical engineer himself and eventually transitioned to coaching full time. And we were having a conversation one day where he was like, hey, you know, you are going to do this full time. And I was like, no, I'm not like, this is just a side thing that I'm doing, you know, coaching my roster of 15, 20 athletes at the time because I'm passionate about it, but I need to find a, a real career. He goes, no, trust me, like you will. He's like, you, you will. You'll see in a few years. This is going to be your thing. It's, it's just going to happen. Like you're going to find yourself um, authentically pouring into this and you're going to have nothing left to give to anything else and you're not going to want to give anything to anything else. And he was absolutely right. Um, and I very much appreciate that relationship that I formed with him. But again, it's like none of that inspiration could be drawn from afar. You don't get it by idolizing. Right, you have to put yourself on the same level as these people in a peer-to-peer -peer way, and then you know aspire to those specialized skills that they have. You know, Mike Tashir is another guy where you know, do I have like a great, friendly, personal relationship with Mike? Like, no, like we don't talk very often, but I think there's a mutual respect that's been established over the years where. I've been able to ask him questions. I've been able to go to him for advice. He's even asked me questions before, told me that things that I've explained have helped him in some way, which is just mind boggling to me because Mike was around and, and solidifying concepts in the sport that we still use today before I even started. It's just such an, a surreal um, experience to have, right? But it's only through establishing those relationships and putting yourself on that level and believing that you could be on that same level that you can actually aspire in some sort of practical way. Um, so I'm very, very thankful for that. And, you know, like I mentioned before at the start of this podcast, like I look to Jaron as a source of inspiration. You know, he was one of my lifters in 2018 where um, he had no experience coaching. He was just... A lifter from Hawaii who was referred to me by one of my previous clients. We met at Raw Nationals in Spokane. I started coaching him. He had amazing energy. So Jaron, if you're listening to this, um, any of his lifters, if you're listening to this, we need to get this man back on the platform because I'm going to be honest, he is top three most fun people I've ever had to handle on meet day. This dude has more intensity and more energy than anybody I've ever seen compete. The only pain in the ass about him is that he takes so fucking long to get ready. You know, I would tell, I would, I got to a point after I'd handled him enough times that I knew I had to let him know like three minutes before I actually wanted him to take a warm up that he had to take his warm up because he was like a sloth wrapping his wrists, pulling his singlet straps up, getting his belt on, but he moved on his own time. And that's what I think made him such a great competitor when he still competed. Jaron. I know you're super busy. I know that competing is not at all a priority for you right now. And I totally understand you have more important things going on, but hopefully one day we can get you back on that platform because I, I genuinely miss coaching you. Anyway, back to the main point, which is that I interviewed Jaron to be one of my coaches in 2020. And there was this intangible in our interview. And I've told him this. Uh, I don't know that if I've, that I've mentioned this publicly or on a podcast, but when I went through the interview process of coaches, I had gotten about 50, like somewhere upwards of 50, close to 60 applications. 
and I narrowed it down to about 11 interviewees. I did all of the interviews. Everyone was great. I, I loved everybody that I interviewed. Obviously, you have to make some decisions. You're able to assign strengths and weaknesses to everybody that you interview. Um, and a lot of them had really, really good experience as coaches. And funnily enough, Jaron was probably toward the bottom of people who had actual coaching experience in terms of how long they had been coaching people, in terms of how many people they had been coaching. But there is there are moments where you just know that someone has it. And Jaron had it. And the way that he talked about his experience coaching people thus far and what he was looking to build in Hawaii, the vision he has brought to life and then some existed back then. And I could feel it. I could see it. And it was inspiring to me. And I wanted to have that on my team. I've, I've always believed in him. I've always known that this is something that could come to life. Um, and I knew that he would give it his all. And that is why I hired him. It wasn't because, oh, here's his track record of coaching. Here's his resume of nine for nine competitors. You know, that that is all stuff that can be taught, in my opinion. But what he had couldn't necessarily be taught in an educational way, right? Like I, I say that couldn't be taught. All of the stuff that I'm talking about, I think everyone can be inspired to be the best version of themselves and do all of these things. But it's just a lot more difficult, right? Because you need to be surrounded by the right people to do it. There's a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot outside of like formulaic, put in A, get out B that goes into it. Um, but I knew Jaron had these intangibles. And we fast forward a few years now, and this man has become the state chair of Hawaii. This man has, built a gym that has taken in the entire Hawaii powerlifting community. He's grown the entire Hawaii powerlifting community in general. It is inspiring for me to be around people like that. And it makes me want to be better, not just for my own sake, but for them. Like if I'm going to be a leader of this person, I better be way fucking better than I am now, right? Because everybody gets put into, or they get to a point of being in certain roles where like, yes, I'm, I'm the owner and creator of Nori Powerlifting. I have coaches that I, that I lead on this team, Michael, Aiden, Eric, Jaron. But whenever I see these guys step up to the level that they have, right, all of my coaches, I would recommend any of them to anybody. They are the best in the game. I firmly believe that the coaches that I endorse outside of my team and the coaches I endorse on my team are the best to do it. And when I see them get to the level that they're at and we have calls discussing certain topics, when I get to see how their lifters perform, when I see how their lifters speak about them, it reminds me that I can't be complacent with where I'm at, not in the sense of me needing to be you know, uh, higher on the hierarchy from like an ego standpoint. Like I'd love to, I'd love to see everybody that I care about be just undeniable. You know what I mean? Like I want, I want people to be on the same level. I want people to be inspiring. I want them to be fantastic. Right. But if I'm going to continue to inspire them, I need to be even better. Right. I need to be a, an even stronger leader and even more inspiring because that's the only way that I can continue to elevate them as well, right? Otherwise, we have this this circle of of complacency and that's not okay. Um, so guys, like 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 when I when I when I think of the team that I have, I'm just like, holy shit! Like I am surrounded by 
fantastic, fantastic coaches and people and leaders. The way that my coaches are spoken about by their lifters is a testament to it, right? And cultivating this community makes everyone in the community better. You know, um, from the coaching side of things, like with the guys I've started powerlifting now with, there are, there are specific topics, and we can get into this in the Powerlifting Now roundtables. We can get into this on more informative episodes of this podcast. Um, you know, if I bring on uh, another guest, and it is, you know, um, there are specific topics where I have changed my mind on. Um, you know, I'll give you a couple examples here. It's like bench specificity has been one thing that of all the high level coaches, I've probably seen the most success in pushing, um, you know, light, lighter weight and midweight lifters. Uh, I've, I've probably seen the most success of getting their benches to levels that are just maybe uh, previously were not, you know, as common, let's say. And the means through which I've done that is through higher specificity than once was accepted as normal in powerlifting. And I think that my contribution to high frequency benching as part of powerlifting programming has been huge. I think that a lot of people have adopted it and much to a lot of people's success. However, there are lifters that I've had who have seen not a lot of success with it, or we've stumbled for quite a long time and it's caused, you know, um, stagnation or even regression. And I've had to check my bias on things and guys like Matt Cronin, right. Who I think Matt, Matt, I'll say this, Matt Cronin is probably, if you had to like make a, if you had like a graph of like, um, how good a coach is relative to like how like known they are, Matt is at the absolute peak that he is the highest data point of quality compared to how well known they are. Um, and Matt has, was actually my first powerlifting athlete. And, you know, I coached him for a few years. He went on to work with somebody else after a year of doing his own thing. And then, you know, now he works with, with Steve, but watching him come up as a coach, I've seen Matt be, uh, be able to uh, dissect individuals and come upon what is like best for the individual without like adhering too heavily to any specific system better than anybody else. Meaning that like, he's always checking his biases. I think Matt does a phenomenal job at that. And, you know, through conversations that I've had with Matt or, you know, just, uh, seeing how he programs for some of his lifters like that in a in in big part like inspired me to maybe check my bias and say like hey like maybe we need to bring the frequency down and implement more variation and implement more bodybuilding stuff and and like that was a turn that i made with a few of my athletes that has caused their bench presses to like absolutely blow up um another thing that i've spoken about with some coaches steve and marcella specifically more recently is like you know when you know whether to be proactive or reactive with deloads do block lengths matter you know, stuff like that, where I've kind of drifted in the direction of over the past few years of being more reactive with how I deload and not really adhering to a specific block length, but just prioritizing the pace of things and, and kind of milking things for, for all their worth and letting it run dry before switching to something else. And there have been just inconsistencies at times with adhering to that principle for certain athletes. And in adopting what I've learned through conversation with these guys, it's been, you know, it's been invaluable. Like the, the mistakes that I never would have picked up on because I didn't have the lens through which to look at them have now been 
revealed to me, right? So it's it's been an ongoing learning experience in surrounding myself with people who are in many different areas, just more privy to things or smarter than me or whatever, right? So that's what you have to do in order to be great at what you do. Of course, like we, you know, I've spent plenty of podcasts uh, talking about the hard work, the sacrifice, all the individual stuff that is totally, you know, within your own, not just control, but like within your own mind. It's like, what can I focus on that directly and solely pertains to me? All of that stuff is for a different podcast. That's all stuff that we can talk about. And I've probably already talked about a ton, but in this specific instance, it's like, you have to be sociable enough. You have to form relationships with people who, once you put yourself on the same level as them can then start to, you know, um, extract the information that you want to learn, um, you know, keep ongoing dialogue with them. I mean, I remember, you know, if I backtrack a bit, like I remember being in college and studying for finals and like, I would pick a friend of mine who knew a certain topic better than me and also liked studying with other people. And the finals that I studied with him versus the finals that I studied solo, I think I performed better on. And the reason for this is that when you get to see, so to give you guys, you know, context, like I remember studying for a heat transfer final and the way that a lot of people would study for, you know, any like math or, or science exam for, for those of you who maybe aren't like science or, or math majors, you would literally go like rent out a, an empty classroom and you guys would just do problems on the whiteboards or chalkboards. Like you would just stand up and write them out and you would explain to each other how you were doing it, right? Not just for the other person's sake, but for your own sake, because if you could talk something out and explain the process, you were going to confirm or deny your understanding of that topic better. And I just remember studying for this heat transfer final and we would spend like 14 hours just in this classroom on a chalkboard writing out the problems. You know, we had, we had practice final exams in front of us with maybe, you know, two or three questions that would each take like an hour to solve. And we just stand up in front of each other and you're explaining it. And, you know, there were ways that people would say things that would make it click in your head, or, you know, they would, they would expose you to a thought process that they had when a certain problem came up and you're like, wow, that's really clever. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start to, to use that. And it's like, it's just, I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, beating a dead horse now, but it's just those experiences where you form these meaningful relationships with the people you want to be like that, that get you to that point. Um, you know, I see a lot of people in this sport who are very alienating. You know, there are people who feel that they are superior uh, in their coaching methods. You know, there's, there's obviously, I, I, my view of the powerlifting community is overwhelmingly positive, right? But I don't, I don't deny that there are, you know, inner circles where people are going to, you know, trash talk or, you know, talk poorly about certain coaches or certain athletes. Like I'd be lying if I said I wasn't guilty of, you know, seeing shit sometimes and sending it to a group chat and being like, okay, this is fucking stupid. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like we all, we all engage in that type of behavior. Um, but there are people who on the whole are very alienating and it's so rare. And when I say rare, I mean, borderline impossible. Like, I don't think I've really ever seen it that a coach or a person like that who feels like they need to distance themselves from other people in the community because they think that the way they do things is the best and the way that other people do things is the worst. 
even if they are valid in their criticisms of how certain people are doing things, if you feel like you're a one-man island, you are fucking doomed. You will never get anywhere in life. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how ambitious you are. It doesn't matter how talented you are. If you cannot build your community, if you cannot put yourself in, in meaningful relationships with people who are like-minded, you will never get anywhere. And I think that's kind of where I'm going to end things today. Um, just make this a really short, straight hit of a podcast. Um, because like I said, the coaches that I know who are the most successful kind of embody a few things. One, they're intelligent. That's kind of a, a no-brainer there. Two, they provide value before they try to derive value from people. Um, they want to be of use to the community, be of use to the people around them. Um, and then three is that they are very charismatic, very sociable, um, and they can communicate well with the people who share their space because that's ultimately where you learn. And like I said, with powerlifting now, it's like the reason that so much of what is actually going to get people to the highest level is not uh, communicable when people ask questions about it is that everything is circulating in that inner circle, right? And if you can't make yourself part of it, then it's very difficult to find that really valuable practical information aside from waiting for the one-off video that Steve might post one day or David Wilson might post or Marcellus might post or, you know, <laughs> once every Haley's Comet I post. So yeah, I mean, this was uh, this is a question I get asked all the time. I really hope that this was a, a helpful and insightful episode for you guys um, going forward. So, so we actually have a a document where we're amassing lists of guests going forward um, for this podcast. I think we're going to try to get people on here, not just within powerlifting specifically, but in any areas that can help the nutrition side of things, the mental side of things. Um, I even have people that I went to school with who I think would be really valuable to hear from because people listening to this, like powerlifting is not your life. You know, it's something that you enjoy doing and you want to progress, you know, um, to a level that's satisfactory for you. But some of you have, you know, jobs that are very demanding mentally or physically, and there might be people you hear from that inspire you, um, you know, to do things outside of powerlifting. So that's what we're looking to do. Um, the next person I have in mind, I'm actually going to reach out to him today, is Pedro Do Amaral. For some of you who listen to this, maybe you follow him. His Instagram is Thucydides. Um, he is a, a biochem guy. He's currently pursuing, I believe, a PhD in pure math and pure chemistry. Absolutely brilliant dude. Puts out a lot of information on Instagram about um, how you can just optimize your health from a nutritional side of things and and kind of limit your exposure to uh, environmental toxins or things that are going to uh, be a health hazard. So I think it would be really interesting to hear him come on here and speak about diet, nutrition, how it relates to powerlifting, but then also just how it relates to health at large, because a lot of us, you know, actually want to be healthy outside of what we do on squat bench and deadlift. But yeah, guys, this was episode 15 of the High Bar Podcast. I really appreciate all of you guys listening. I'm glad I was able to get this done in one shot. We're going to sip one more sip of coffee here. Delicious. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care.